You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 120. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. This week in our Your Stock Our Take segment, we start by taking a listener question on the joint corporation, symbol JYNT on the NASDAQ, a franchiser of clinics and an operator of clinics in certain U.S. states. While still a small cap, the company has more than 550 locations worldwide and over 7 million patients are seen annually, making the joint chiropractic a key leader in the U.S. chiropractic industry. It was hit by the global shutdown, but the business has a track record of growth and its stock continues to perform well. We take a dive into the current valuations and see if the growth can continue. Our second Your Stock, Our Take is on Converge Technology Solutions, symbol CTS, on the TSX Venture. It is a hybrid IT solution provider with operations in the United States and Canada focused on delivering high-quality hardware, software, and managed solutions to corporate and government institutions. A listener asks us our take on the stock. Finally, our star of the week should be no stranger to clients. It is Solar Edge Technologies, symbol SEDG on the NASDAQ, a stock which entered our coverage at a buy when the stock traded at around $107 just five months ago. Today has jumped 148% to close at $265. Solar Edge itself designs, develops, and sells direct current or DC optimized inverter systems for solar photovoltaic PV installations. Now, we review the operations and what has led to the huge share price gains in the past five months since our recommendation. So let's get into the show. Uh, Brennan, Aaron, thanks for co-hosting with me again this week. How are you two doing? Good. We wouldn't miss it. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Brennan, I heard you had a, a question from one of the listeners. Yes. Yes. We got an email that came in from Leon, and I thought that it would be a good one to discuss. Um, so he says, I recently discovered that companies buy back their own shares through normal course issuer bids. And he says, my question is, what would you guys rather see a company do? Buy back its own shares or pay a dividend? So what are your guys' thoughts on that? Sure, I can, I can take a stab at this. And then maybe Ryan, you, could, um, you can chime in after that. So the reason why a, a company would want to buy back their shares essentially is because they think that their own share price is undervalued, that the share price is too low. And if they have available capital, then the best investment to them uh, is, is essentially to invest in their own company. Now, they're not really investing in their own company in the traditional sense. So what happens is when a company buys back their shares, uh, they'll then cancel those shares so they disappear from the market. Um, 
and all of the existing shareholders, the remaining shareholders, then own a larger stake of the company. Um, so the question is, is it a good idea for companies to buy back their shares or should they take that capital and, and invest it in other businesses, reduce debt, or, or increase dividends? And I'd say, like almost everything in the markets, this is a very company-specific answer. Now, in many cases, companies will buy back shares because they think that their own stock is undervalued. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the stock is undervalued. In a lot of cases, and we've seen it, management teams are actually uh, the the least capable of assessing whether or not their company is overvalued or undervalued, perhaps because they're so close to the business. Um, in other cases, maybe it's because um, they think that buying back shares is going to create some market excitement um, or increase liquidity uh, in 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 the in the stock in in the stock price market. Um, but really, it comes down to whether or not they are correct. If the company is truly undervalued and there is an opportunity to purchase shares at a discount, then it can often be a good idea. Um, it can temporarily accelerate earnings growth because you, you should have the same amount of earnings being generated, but a lower number of shares outstanding um, to calculate the earnings per share. So every remaining investor is, uh, is generating more earnings per share. Now, a company always has to balance this off against other opportunities like increasing the dividend, like paying down debt. In a lot of cases, they will do both. They'll buy back uh, a small number of shares. They'll increase the dividend. I, I personally believe that if a company has higher leverage, then they should focus on reducing the leverage ratios before they increase their dividend and before they they consider buying back shares. But in a lot of cases, we have seen companies that we would agree are undervalued um, buy back a lot of their shares. And one of those examples might be a company we have under coverage in our US research, which is called Fortinet. Uh, it trades in the US under the symbol FTNT. It is a cybersecurity company. Um, and during the, during the uh, COVID-19 situation, they've bought back a significant number of shares. I believe over 10% of their shares outstanding. They don't pay a dividend. They're not a dividend-paying uh, company. So that's you know not something that's on the table, starting a dividend or increasing the dividend. And they, they have a, a lot of net cash on their balance sheet. So there's no reason for them to reduce debt. So in a case like that, I would absolutely think that it's, uh, it's an appropriate course of action. Um, in other cases, you know, we don't agree with the company that, with the management that the company's undervalued, or we just don't think it's a good business, in which case we would rather than take that money, invest it into the operation somehow and turn it into a better business. Yeah. I mean, I think you summarized it really well. We do love dividends so, and companies that grow their dividends. It's been proven historically that these type of companies, dividend growers, they outperform all others. So in most cases, I would side towards increasing the dividends. Like Aaron said, there's always exceptions or even exceptional times like we had with the COVID initial crash in the market, um, you know, when shares just become truly undervalued. Uh, and at that time, potentially, and you know, the dividend in the company might already be significant in some companies as well. In those kids cases, um, I would say, you know, a substantial issue or bid where you're taking out, you know, five, 10, 15, 20% of the company's shares might be an option. Uh, if it's a flash crash, I mean, that's not, that's very rare. Uh, you might not be able to uh, execute on a substantial issue or bid management might not be able to quick enough. So you just take out, uh, with the normal course issue of bread that's in place. But 
like like we said, uh, we often I love getting cash in my jeans. So increasing the dividend and being a, a consistent dividend grower over time is a great way to reward shareholders. Uh, there are times when we see companies that still have significant leverage, like Aaron said, that are buying back shares. Uh, in those cases, uh, you know, we don't side with the uh, the buyback of the shares at that time. So um, we would just look. On average, we're looking at more just to the side of increasing dividends to be the play that we see as best for the market and for investors over the long term. But there's always ex- ex- exceptions to the rule, like we said. So uh, let's get into the show, though. Uh, we're going to start off. Aaron's going to start first today. Um, he's going to talk about a company that should be absolutely no stranger to our clients that had a great week and really has had a tremendous year. Uh, and just five months since our coverage at Solar Edge Technologies. Aaron, get into it. Certainly happy to do it. Uh, the weekly star. From our Stars and Dogs segment, it's time for this week's Star. star. Solar Edge Technologies, the symbol is SEDG, trades on the NASDAQ exchange at a price of about $265 a share. And that makes it a 13.3 billion market cap company. So what SolarEdge does, they they design, develop, and sell direct current optimized inverter systems for solar installations. The company's systems include power optimizers, inverters, and a cloud-based monitoring platform. SolarEdge historically sells through distributors to the residential solar market, but more recently it has started to expand into the commercial and small utility scale solar market. The, company's, uh, the company is currently under coverage in Keystone's U.S. growth stock research. Stock is up 17% over the last week. We initially recommended the stock to our clients in May of this year at a price of $107, so it's more than doubled in the five months since then. We like this company for a number of reasons. It was a highly profitable business with very strong revenue and earnings growth historically. It has a cash-rich balance sheet with very little debt. The valuation was reasonable when we recommended it. We also like the company's positioning in the renewable energy space, a space which has garnered a lot of investor attention and capital flow. However, even though you wouldn't know it by looking at the company's share price, SolarEdge has been negatively impacted to a degree by COVID-19. Looking at the company's recent financial results, they reported their Q2 on August 3rd. Quarterly revenue was $332 million. This was an increase of 2% compared to last year, but a decline of 23% compared to the most recent quarter, Q1 2020. Non-GAAP EPS was $0.97 cents compared to $0.94 cents in the same quarter last year and $0.95 cents in the prior quarter. Company ended the quarter with cash and equivalents of $545 million and debt of just $30 million. This equates to a net cash balance of $10.27 per share. So right now, with the recent share price increase, it's trading at a price-to-earnings valuation of about 55 times. Now, looking at the results, where they really were impacted was in the United States. Um, the solar business in the United States uh, generated revenues of $124 million for the quarter. This was flat compared to the same quarter last year, but it was down from $246 million in Q1 of 2020, so a big quarter-over-quarter drop. 
Since the end of April, management did report seeing some positive signs of increased orders in the United States. Solar revenues in their European division actually increased during the quarter. They were $144 million, which was up from $122 million uh, in Q1 of 2020. And SolarEdge also released guidance for Q3 2020. They expect total revenue of 325 to 350 million. So we're looking at a decline of about 18% compared to the same quarter last year and a sequential quarterly revenue decline of about 22%. SolarEdge does have a tremendous track record of profitability and growth in its near five-year history as a public company. Over the long term, they are very well positioned to continue to benefit from the renewable energy theme. There are two concerns that we have in the near term. One of those is the higher uncertainty in the financial outlook and growth over the next several quarters. And another is the valuation relative to earnings, which has increased substantially since our original recommendation. As well, the, the residential solar inverter market is a competitive space, and historically it has been quite cyclical with sizable swings in demand. SolarEdge's share price has moved up nearly 150% since our recommendation only five months ago. We updated our clients um, just in September, just about a month ago, and we moved our rating to hold based on valuation. And since then, the stock prices continue to move up about 35%. One of the things that has been driving the share price is a high level of investor interest in renewable energy stocks, specifically profitable growth-oriented renewable stocks. We recognize this as, a, as an area of long-term growth, and we have made several recommendations in this space. At the, end, at the end of August, we published Keystone's 2020 Canadian Green and Alternative Energy Stock Report. This report includes over 80 TSX and TSX venture-listed stocks in Canada, and we screen these companies for profitability, growth, balance sheet strength, and track records within the renewable space. From that group, we highlighted 16 companies of interest, including three active buy recommendations. So as I said, that report went out exclusively to clients at the end of August. Uh, anybody who's interested in receiving that report can sign up to our website or contact us directly. But that just gives you some ideas um, outside of SolarEd, some other interesting renewable energy stocks that we're looking at today. Yeah, I think it's a great summary. And that, that report uh, included our top three Canadian renewable energy company buys. We also included a buy on a water treatment and purification company uh, and utility company that I believe, Brennan, I think you had uh, calculated. It's up uh, 25, 30% since we just recommended it. Oh, I think it's recommended even more than it. that. Yeah, I yeah, think it's, I think uh, it, it's, it's continued today. 40 plus I saw, now? Right? 40 plus. Yeah. 40. So that's that's in short order. Uh, a company had a great, this company had a great fourth quarter and the shares have really responded to that. Uh, we're actually going to update our clients on uh, the company shortly after the very strong uh, fourth quarter the company had. But uh, we've been, we've owned that company for just over a year now and we continue to like it. And that was issued in that report as well. So I'm going to take the next company here. It is uh, your stock, our take. It's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. Um, it comes in from Charles via email. He asks uh, our um, he asks our take on a company called The Joint Company. Now, when I first saw the name, my uh, thoughts went to some other type of business. Uh, you can probably uh, guess what that would be. But The Joint Group 
is actually the joint group symbol JYNT on the NASDAQ, trading at $18, about a $252 million market cap, so a small cap in the U.S. The joint corp is actually a franchiser of chiropractic clinics and an operator of these clinics in certain U.S. states. The company has more than 500 locations nationwide and over 7 million patient visits annually, making it a leader in the chiropractic industry in the United States. Some key points on the company. The joint corporation began operations in 2010 with a network of 12 clinics, which grew to 399 by 2017 and 538 clinics across 33 states at the end of Q2 2020 this year. The company is targeting 1,000 clinics by 2023, so aggressive growth. This growth plan has the company increasing revenue significantly. They had $20.5 million in 2016, $25.1 million in 2017, $31.8 million in 2018, and a jump to $48.5 million in 2019. The balance sheet, while it consists of about $14.6 million in cash, $15.6 million in total debt, uh, we rate the company's balance sheet as reasonably healthy due to the large cash balance, which nearly offsets its total debt. Uh, the debt-to-equity ratio is high at about 2.1 times on the higher side, but the cash balance provides the company with the financial support that should be necessary to not be a worry in terms of the balance sheet. Valuations right now on a trailing basis over the past 12 months, it has a PE of around 87, so quite high. EV to EBITDA or enterprise value to EBITDA multiple is 42. So we consider joint stock just based on these earnings metrics multiples to be uh, expensive at, at present. Now, it's an interesting concept and business model. The franchise model is attractive because it mitigates some of the risks of operating retail locations and provides a recurring source of revenue for the company. We will be looking for the company to return to earnings per share growth over the next several quarters. At the current price, however, the stock is expensive, both relative to earnings and EBITDA. But we do like the growth and the business plan, and we are monitoring it closely uh, at present for clients. So we would just stay on the sidelines and continue to monitor it. Potentially on a dip, it might look attractive because of the growth there and the good business model. But it is quite expensive uh, based on historical multiples that the company has and just based on the average market multiple right now. Yeah, the joint was actually one that uh, I came across in the LD Micro 500 uh, conference, and I, I pulled it out. Um, and yeah, good growth and revenue looks like a good company. Um, like you said, Ryan, you know, trading it pretty, pretty expensive multiples, like even price to cash flow from operations is, you know, 30 plus times. So, you know, just, just overall an expensive stock. Um, but yeah, I think we also, we, we have a mini report on that as well. I believe we uh, conducted. Yeah, we just put out a, a, the, our LD micro 500, uh, summary reports about hundred pages and it does have a mini couple page report on the joint corporation, all our thoughts and the business growth and the potential there. Uh, expensive, like we said, based on a trailing basis. But if, you know, by 2023, they double their current locations, which is what they're targeting. It is certainly one to watch, given the fact that they've now come into earnings. They are expected to grow earnings over time. So you can start to have a, a leverage to those earnings as they build out that franchise model, which uh, has a high recurring model uh, base. So it is a business that, we would, that interests us and one that we're watching closely right now. Now let's move to Brennan's Your Stock, Our Take. It's time we answer a question on your stock. 
in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. That comes from Lloyd via Twitter. He says, what's your take on converged technology solutions? Brennan, you take that Yes, one. you bet. And I'll make sure to uh, tag Lloyd in our uh, post afterwards just so he can see that uh, we... He is waiting with bated breath for that <laughs> I tag bet right he is. now. You I know bet that, he is. right? I know Lloyd and I know he's waiting for that. <laughs> so get that tag in there. Yes. So uh, Converge Technology Solutions, CTS on the TSX Venture Exchange, currently trading at a price of $2.11 and has a market cap of around $194 million. Uh, so Converge is a hybrid IT solutions provider with operations in the United States and Canada, focused on delivering high quality hardware, software, and managed services solutions to corporate and government institutions. Uh, Converge has primarily been growing through acquisition, and to date, the company has completed 12 acquisitions, uh, with, with the first completed in October of 2017. And in the past, Converge had normally completed around four to six acquisitions per year, but due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the company has slowed its aggressive acquisition schedule, only completing one acquisition in the 2020 fiscal year so far. Uh, but management did say that they've got some uh, in, in the pipeline coming, coming up here. Uh, so looking at the company's most recent financial results, this is for Q2 of 2020, revenues were up 44% to $228 million compared to the same period last year. Adjusted EBITDA increased to $11.7 million, an increase of 112% from $5.5 million in Q2 of 2019. And EPS, or earnings per share, came in at a loss of $0.05 cents per share compared to a loss of $0.03 cents in Q2 of 2019. So uh, looking at the financial performance, good growth here. Um, so I also just wanted to, to note here that because of the reselling nature of Converge's operations, they have pretty thin margins with a 12 trailing month adjusted EBITDA margin of only 5% of revenue. Uh, in, in comparison to another company in, in the segment like Quisitive Technology Solutions, uh, which, like I said, is in the same IT solutions business, uh, they had a 12 trailing month adjusted EBITDA margin of a, around 15%. So you can see the difference here that uh, Converge does have pretty low margins. Now, looking at Converge's balance sheet, uh, it also isn't very flattering coming in with a net debt balance of $207 million, providing the company with a net debt to adjusted EBITDA multiple of approximately five times, uh, which is you know getting to the higher level than we would like to see. Um, and, and this is also shown, or the, the company's uh, high leverage is also shown on its balance sheet with its negative book value of equity coming in at negative $3.5 million, meaning the company's total liabilities are greater than its total assets. Now, if this persists into the future, it could definitely be a cause for concern as negative equity usually goes hand in hand with companies dealing with financial uh, distress. Uh, looking forward, Converge provided preliminary guidance for the 2020-2021 fiscal year, including a revenue run rate of approximately $2 billion and adjusted EBITDA of between $100 and 200 million. Now, if we use the middle of the company's 2020 and 2021 adjusted EBITDA guidance, uh, the company has a forward enterprise value to adjusted EBITDA multiple of approximately three times, uh, which looks pretty good. Now, regarding its financing strategy, uh, in the company's most recent MD&A, management said that it does plan to continue to finance acquisitions through working capital and financial leverage. So that's their strategy going forward here. 
Now, our take on Converge technology, it has shown impressive, impressive revenue and adjusted EBITDA growth, albeit through an acquit or through, through an aggressive acquisition strategy supported by financial leverage. Currently, Converge trades at a reasonable enterprise value to EBITDA valuation multiple for a company within the technology sector, but I believe one could make the argument that the stock appears to be discounted due to its large debt balance and thin adjusted EBITDA margins. Uh, something that I think is important to highlight is that several of Converge's executives are originally from the publicly traded company Pivot Technology Solutions, uh, which is in the similar IT solutions industry as Converge. Now, in the case of Pivot, we saw management rapidly grow the top line of the business through acquisitions and the use of financial leverage. However, the company was unable to establish accretive acquisitions and generate per share cash flow for shareholders over time. Uh, and of course, this is reflected in Pivot's historical share price, which really hasn't done too much for share shareholders over the years. So now, although the growth and future guidance appear promising uh, on Converge, the company's highly levered balance sheet need for future funding to support an aggressive growth by acquisition strategies and its similarities to Pivot, which were unable to generate meaningful earnings on a per share basis, has made us just continue to monitor the stock at this time. Yeah, no, I think it's a good summary on the business. Um, and we we have watched Pivot, which is a company that actually just got bought out uh, for years. Uh, the 5% EBITDA margins uh, right now, uh, the company talks about increasing those margins over time, and that will be the plan. Uh, we've seen this in the past. The The team at Converge, like Brennan said, largely comes from Pivot Technologies, and the, I believe the CEO is from, or CFO is from SBL. Both of these are past public companies, uh, two businesses that struggled to produce consistent profitability and margins. So we will watch that, particularly the link to Pivot here, a company that um, you know really did struggle to produce uh, consistent margins over time, and they are in a similar business. Uh, the goal would be to increase, increase margins if they can do that with a large revenue base, perhaps you see... Uh, a business here that is worth more, but uh, you know, with the low margins, uh, they're kind of like a middleman in between IT type firm. Uh, we do prefer typically like companies who own their own software and selling that and getting higher margins. So uh, we'll continue to monitor Converge because there's certainly you know certainly high revenue growth here, but uh, it's just a company we would monitor at this stage. Yeah, and if, if I could even just pump your tires a little bit too, Ryan. Like, well, please I do, because I need it right all at all times. I'm just <laughs> of kidding. course, of course. When I was initially looking at this company, I you know was I couldn't get over the revenue growth. It's just crazy. It's crazy. But of course, uh, through an aggressive acquisition funded by debt, essentially, um, you know, and just what you said to me, or I guess what you brought up, and this just comes with experience, I guess, in looking at companies for years and years, is you said, you know, it kind of raises a little bit of a red flag looking at the management team. And of course, myself having no idea who these guys were and who Pivot was, uh, you know, it's just nice to to have, I guess, that experience. Um, yeah, know, I mean, and just here and because and, we're old, right? That's that's the reason we've been around <laughs> well, long enough. Well, we've seen I, enough. No, and then we, we're not completely disparaging like the Pivot management team or anything like that. It's more not. it's more of the business not. model there with the really low margins that we saw a company, you know, Pivot leveraged up over time. Uh, and then ended up consolidating its shares at some point, rolling back those shares, and now is going through a deleveraging process. And then they, as they were deleveraging, they were bought. 
um, you know, they ended up, you know, a five to eight year period where, you know, there wasn't really the share price fluctuated around. They paid a dividend at some points, uh, but, you know, they never really increased. They had growth on the top line. But if you don't grow on a per share basis and margins are, you know, razor thin, uh, it just really doesn't provide a great long term return or a business that provides a great long term return for shareholders and that's what we are looking for for every company that we do recommend uh there can be exceptions to the rule maybe converge is managed better and they take those mar ebitda margins up significantly higher uh, and it will be a winner but we'll monitor that we will look at the company with our past experience with it service providers like this and uh just and make sure we you know take that into account as we see the tremendous revenue growth building up the debt Will at some point they be able to not be able to use debt to uh, grow revenues, and then they go through a deleveraging process, which really just you know has revenues decreasing and selling off assets. So um, if that same if that same scenario plays out here, you know that's not something we want to be involved in. We want to be involved when rather exactly. have to be involved with a company it's that to, grows its cash flow. And it's just something to you know keep your uh, keep your eyes on. I guess you yeah, know, for and, sure. Uh, that comes with experience. You bet. Without a doubt. Okay, well, uh, that's going to end off our show this week. Keep your questions coming into our Your Stock, Our Take segment, our Ask Us Anything segment. We thank you for that question this week. Keep those coming in. Again, uh, we'd like to wish all of our listeners out there profitable investing. You stay safe. Thanks, everyone. 